Coming live from Canada and Israel are our guests tonight, two global top experts. Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts either through their industry insights, information or simply learning from them. And before I move forward, may I request you to subscribe, follow, like and comment on whichever platform you are listening or watching to this show on. And today we have in this three nation live, we have from Canada, Israel and India, we have got George Toro, global speech coach, Daniel Alpern, LinkedIn super specialist. And here I am hosting this show and we'll try and put the right questions to this top guns to get the best out of them for you. In fact, you too can ask your questions live. Just write in the comment section on LinkedIn, Facebook or YouTube, wherever you are watching this show on. And today, as you all know, we are discussing the subject, your message matters and how you can deliver it effectively. So firstly, the very word itself, what does message mean? What's effective delivery of messages? Please explain it in terms of your areas, both you top guests. George, in terms of communication and, and presentation and Daniel in terms of LinkedIn. George first. Uh, AJ, the, the message serves a purpose. So first of all, a person needs to understand what is it that they want others to do around them. And then they, and they put that purpose into a message that they need to convey in a way that gets understood. First of all, it gets noticed and heard, understood and acted upon. So a message is simply a way of influencing others to act. Okay. Okay. And Daniel? I don't have anything to add, just to mention that when you do, when you try to convey that message on a platform such as LinkedIn, it's a very noisy neighborhood and the attention span of people is currently reduced. So you, try to, you need to think both, both about the ways to get noticed, like Joseph said, and then getting them to perform the action you would like them to perform. Okay, okay. So by and large, we are all on the same page exactly about what message is but then what is effective message that's what we are discussing aj an effective message is one that works and and it, and unfortunately there are too many ineffective messages there are way there's a lot of as daniel said a lot of noise happening not only online in linkedin but also in in everyday communication whether it's texting whether it's phone calls whether people even talk face to face anymore there's a lot of noise that gets in the way of the message and so the message gets lost okay okay but uh george in your setting the work that you do there is there is written message, there is presentation, public speaking, and one-to-one -one talk, whether between two people, two, uh, you know, bosses, boss and employee, manager, clients, and all that stuff. So uh, in terms of whatever you teach, uh, George, in terms of communication and presentation, what are the nuggets of information or tips Torok tips that you would like to share with our audience. It consists of a lot of people who are in different segments in business, small business, 
in work in their workplaces and even day to day communication how can they make their messaging effectively how can they be best so that as you say inferior never wins mm. true true aj and so a few few tips to get started first of all be clear on what you want people to do and be aware of their mindset are they even paying attention to you be aware of the emotions in, involved either on their side or your side because that distorts a message emotion always distorts it now emotion is necessary for people to act but the wrong emotions distort the message so be aware and focus on people and deliver one point at a time an easy, a, a great bad example is when you get an email that's got three or four ideas in it and, and you receive it. And what do you do? One idea catches your attention and you ignore everything else. Or one idea gets you angry and you respond in, in a negative way. Okay. And Daniel, in your setting, on a LinkedIn setting, how yes. does one do that? Because they're... Uh, it is less of, you know, talking directly, but it is what you do with your profile and the way you use the nitty gritties of LinkedIn, the tools that are available there that you communicate. Many a times you don't speak, but through your profile itself, you communicate. So how does one use LinkedIn for most effective communication? How do you communicate most effectively through LinkedIn? Great. I'll start by asking the same question George has mentioned. Who are you speaking with and what action would you like them to perform? That's the easiest way to start building a strong message. And you, you rightly said, AJ, that you, you can use also your profile to communicate your message. So let's think about a number of ways you can communicate your, your intended message. We're, we may have focused so far on the written message, on text or posts or shares, but you could also share videos just 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 as this YouTube or, or LinkedIn live video, and there are a number of ways for you to share video content on LinkedIn as a post or even as part of your profile, whether it's rich media or a cover to your uh, profile photo, and that will make you stand out from 99% of LinkedIn users. Simply uploading a 20-second video message where you would speak directly to the ideal person you'd like to attract. Other than that, the, the, um, when you share posts on LinkedIn, you need to be aware of the fact that your network may see it, but you should always remember that other people who don't know you are also susceptible of reading this. So you, you try not to mix up your audience with your network. Sometimes our network is based on people we've worked with, but our audience is different. So okay. try not to harass your network with messages that are intended for your actual audience. Okay. Okay. Uh, now, coming back to George, uh, you uh, teach a lot of corporate leaders and a lot of people in different industries uh, about public speaking. Now, uh, without public speaking today, even for a a simple person in presentation or anywhere else, you can't escape from public speaking, from presentations. Now, a lot of people have that fear of public speaking. So how to get past the fear of public speaking, George? If you can 
give tips on this. Uh, first of all, AJ, having anxiety or some fear about public speaking is normal. People think that they're abnormal because they're nervous. No, that's perfectly normal. And in fact, it's not so much the fear of public speaking. It's the fear of being judged. That's what it is. It's, it's about being everyone's judging me and they're making an opinion about me. What if I make a fool of myself? Stop that thinking. So first of all, believe to get over that fear, believe in the value of your message. The only reason people listen is because they believe you have value to give. So believe in the message. Second of all, stop focusing on yourself and your symptoms. Focus on the audience. Focus on, And when you focus on the audience, you take the emphasis off yourself. So stop worrying about, oh, my heart is beating fast. I'm sweating. I'm nervous. Oh, I can't breathe. Oh, and by the way, if you can't breathe, it's because you're holding your breath. Because when we get nervous, we hold our breath. We freeze. <gasps> Don't make a noise. There's a bear in the woods. No. Well, remind yourself to breathe and breathe like yoga breathing. Breathe deeply from the bottom. And if you do that before you start your presentation, you calm yourself. So remember to breathe. Right. Right. And, and George, while going for public speaking, you know, people get bored easily. So how not to be boring? Um, it, it, good observation. We get bored easy and, and you know, just look at, look at what's happening in the movies. And so the real question is, it's not so much not, not how not to be boring, it's how to be more engaging, how to engage your audience. And I often get asked, AJ, how do I hold the attention of my audience? Well, you can't, not for very long. So you need to engage and you have their attention for a few moments and then you need to engage them again. And how do you engage? Well, there's many techniques that you can use to engage. Here's, here's a few ideas. One is to pose a rhetorical question. What does this mean to you? And then you answer it. Or use the word you as you're talking. Here's how you can use this. Here's what this means to you. And the word you by itself is engaging. And another technique, and, and, and this is the last one I'll give for now, is to use analogies, anecdotes, and stories. Right, right. Now, talking to you, Daniel, in terms of uh, LinkedIn now, now there is uh, not as such a fear of public speaking, but in terms of sharing your views on LinkedIn, people are experts of their fields, many of them, but they are hesitant many a times in terms of sharing their views, sharing their expertise, maybe because of apprehensions of some cancel culture or people saying something which they may not like. Or, you know, there is a lot of noise on several platforms, including LinkedIn with people posting like uh, it was an honor to get this award and that award and whatever it is, which is of very less significance and people are afraid of to be lost in that thing. So how does one still deliver their expertise to the audience that they have on LinkedIn and how can they do it without being fearful of anything? 
Oh, AJ, that's a great question. And, and just to refer to what you asked, uh, George, about, about public speaking, the same is, uh, is right for LinkedIn because LinkedIn seems from the outside as a perfect network where everyone receives awards and there's no failure. But the truth is, is that we all fail and we learn more from our failures. So we can't try to please everybody. And I'll use a quote, those who matter don't mind and those who mind don't matter. Right. And you need to ask yourself first, why are you sharing this? And are you happy with sharing it, even if you get a backslash? And the second question, will your network or people who know you, when they see you perform that action, AG, will they nod and say, yes, that's the term AG would use. That's the, that is aligned with his style. Or will they go and say, what were you thinking? And lastly, the third question I would ask is your ideal prospect or the ideal person you'd like to communicate with will that will performing that action make them get closer to you or will this repel them so first ask yourself then people know you well and lastly the person you'd like to target if you have three yeses your goal okay okay daniel then how do you now linkedin also provides you know going live that video facility is there. Now, a lot of people who are experts in their field, how can they utilize the uh, LinkedIn Live facility to connect with their audience? And how can they do it effectively, pass the message to their audience effectively? And again, the same question, how not to be boring? You are an expert in your subject, but you can, you know, you can, you may just uh, not feel so confident. And even if you're confident, sometimes you can, tend to be bold. So how do you deliver uh, your message effectively on LinkedIn live as well as, uh, you know, through messaging, normal messaging? Okay. So the general question is thought leadership. Would you like to be per perceived as a leader in your field? And, and our audience here has become experts in their field. So if you feel natural about video, you should start playing with video. But if you, uh, if you are unconfident, you can uh, uh, subscribe to the KJ Masterclass and learn from you and learn from other people or and start with written messages or articles. The way articles present a, another system where you can read and edit and give the permission to someone to have a look at it and proofread it and only then move to live. And even though it, it's called LinkedIn Live, AJ, you can also uh, host or share pre-recorded videos. That's and that yeah. should remove at least part of the tension because you know that if something uh, happened, you would be able to cut it out and the version you would present is clean uh, with, the, with no accidents uh, happening. And you could start with uh, finding the right guest or the right panels who would be with you on that LinkedIn Live. They, those are people who are likely to share the event itself and to comment and to like it and to make their network aware of that. And ideally, try to uh, provide value by taking your audience from point A to point B in a baby step that would make them go and say, okay, this is something I'm confident and now I know at least the first step. And then you would be able to say, I can show you how to move to point C. And George can, move you, can show you how to move to point D or E or F. And by uh, um, gaining the right... And by providing value, you have earned the ability to move them further 
down your funnel or maybe to a discovery call or, or gated content or a paid event, start by helping them for free. And some of them will be ready to continue that journey with you. Okay. Okay. So coming back to uh, George, uh, is that uh, in terms of introverts and extroverts, uh, if you have dealt with so many people over the years, so whom have you found as better speakers, introverts uh, versus ext extroverts? Uh, a good question that a lot of people struggle with, and people seem to think that extroverts are naturally better speakers, and the answer is no, they're not. Introverts and extroverts have different challenges, and and I'll give you an example. And what I mean by introvert and extrovert, here's my definition, where they get their energy. An introvert gets their energy from being alone. An extrovert gets their energy from being with people and making noise. So an extrovert is more likely to speak up in a meeting, in, in a class, in, in an event, at a networking, and they just love talking and they love making noise, but they focus on themselves and not their audience. An introvert is observing and quiet and thinking. And an introvert is, is going to be the last one to speak most often. I am an introvert. I love presenting to an audience. I enjoy it. And it drains me because when I'm done, I have to go and loan somewhere in a corner and, and re recharge. So both can be good, but they have different challenges that they need to be aware of. They need to be aware of who they are, how they get energy, and what that energy does to their audience. Right, right. No, George, there are many times these occasions, meetings, where, you know, team meeting or, you know, meeting with client, and there is a composition of, say, uh, extroverts and introverts. An introvert has a very great idea, you know, but extroverts are, you know, taking away the meeting away from them. And many a times it happens that, you know, that blabbering can make you lose your client, potential client and all. And how do you manage that situation where you can actually be able to share your brilliant views versus somebody who is just, you know, speaking and speaking? Um, yeah, good point. And, and one of the, um, one of the beauties of a virtual meeting is that the the meeting leader can always mute someone who's talking too much. He could okay. say he could say, "Hey George, you've been talking too much. Give someone else a chance." And a good meeting leader will survey the room, whether it's virtual or live, and notice the people who haven't spoken yet. And 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 it helps if those introverts have a conversation with the meeting leader beforehand and say, "You know." I, I don't always want to, I don't want to be the first one to speak, but sometimes I have a good idea. So please check with me and, and, you know, I'll give you a nod. I've got something to say. So, so there's an agreement there and they say, okay, now over to you, Daniel. Yeah, we haven't heard from you. It's your turn to speak. So the meeting leader needs to be aware of the personality styles of the people in the room and the person, especially the introverts, it helps if they identify themselves to the leader ahead of time. Okay. And how do you deliver effectively in that uh, point of commotion? Means, do you use uh, what you call fisticuffs? Come down to that. You tell the person to just shut up or you slap them. 
how do you do the effective part of it well if a person is speaking too much it's up to the leader to, you know the meeting leader to to say something uh, but if that person if the meeting leader is the one who's talking too much the yes. people in a room need to say uh, are are you open to another opinion because if you're not i might as well leave <laughs> i mean and and so you need to use it helps if you have a little bit of humor but ask a question that changes their perspective saying oh i didn't realize i was talking so much i'm sorry what what were you going to say <laughs> so you need right. to break you need to break their momentum with a question or humor and and move on from there and 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 if they don't shut up maybe you just get up and leave and say listen uh you keep talking i'll be back in an hour i'm sure i won't miss anything <laughs> <laughs> right right now coming to uh, daniel uh now linkedin is a very different setting but again the question you know at the sec of uh introverts versus extroverts now that is the whole world that can see in their feeds a lot of people just talking and talking and commenting and and you know, sharing resharing and doing what not but and the real message gets lost uh how do you get noticed on linkedin without diluting your equity there are senior people experts without feeling like you are shouting in that on that platform because day by day even on linkedin you know a lot of uh earlier on so called non linkedin stuff is uh coming up coming in and and that's the only platform that's professional platform that's available to almost all professionals how do you conduct yourself so it's it's a great question and just like george mentioned you can succeed whether you are an introvert or an extrovert you would simply use different methods and the good news as far as linkedin is concerned is that from my perspective you don't have to invent a linkedin personality because you ag and, and george you have a real life personality and the smart thing to do would be to reflect that personality on linkedin and some additional good news is that on linkedin you can be successful without sharing very often okay and i i cannot think of many social networks where this would be true because if i disappeared from instagram or or twitter for 6 months then most people will not see my content but the number one action people perform on linkedin is actually visiting other people's profiles so it may be that people are judging you by the quality of the latest action you performed publicly on linkedin and whether you did that yesterday morning or 6 months ago they couldn't care less so you don't have to shoot from the hip and overshare and and hijack the feed you need to make each each action count right right daniel so now coming to linkedin uh, itself daniel like you keep on doing so much of stuff on linkedin now how does one measure on linkedin as to what is being successful what is not uh in in a, in a public speaking uh setting that's a different thing but on linkedin you have to do the same thing you got to uh, communicate as well as you got to measure the metrics how does one take care of that and what's the best way to do it excellent so initially many leaders are obsessed and over obsessed with the linkedin metrics has my number of connections increased sufficiently 
How many people have viewed my content? How many followers does my page have? Is my SSI enough? Or how many people have mentioned me? But the truth is that the business metrics are the ones you should think about. In other words, you don't have to consider LinkedIn. You can consider LinkedIn as a black box and measure the top of funnel action you, you would like people to achieve. And that is revenues, orders, downloads, subscribers, demos, and inquiries. And if you're a public speaker, then does LinkedIn enable you to have an additional gig or an additional stage? And if you had a webinar that you ran every quarter and you used to have 120 people sign up and maybe 60 show up, and by using LinkedIn, you have, an, you have doubled the numbers of people who show up and you, land ha you, you uh, increase your revenues by 20%, then you, you know that those 20% are attributed to the actions you performed on LinkedIn. You don't have to be, to be thinking about the number of LinkedIn metrics. Simply find the right business metrics that is important for you. And if LinkedIn feeds that, you're in good hands. Because at the end of the day, you shouldn't say, wow, I'm popular. I have a gazillion connections or followers. You need to look at the bank account and say, yes, now I, have, I, can, I can select the stage I'm going to speak at, or I can increase the fees that I like, or I can have a real life metric that is important for me. So forget about the LinkedIn metrics. They don't matter. You need to focus on your simple real life metrics. Okay, okay, real, real life metrics. Now, uh, in terms of LinkedIn, again, Daniel, is that there is an option for creators to choose that creator option. And a lot of people who are living the normal life or being professionals, just simple professionals, the top notch professionals, they may be also seeing a lot of, you know, messaging, communication, uh, content from creators and a huge number of creators are there on linkedin now sometimes they may wonder that somebody is uh, is speaking so much communicating so much whereas yes. i don't stand nowhere many people do not even understand this difference even if they know it they don't know that difference too much now how do they balance their lives vis-a-vis -vis the creators who are sharing their content on LinkedIn. Okay. Sharing content is one way to gain exposure. It's not the only one. And in many cases, it's an overkill. Because if you're oversharing, then people become blind to the sort of content you are sharing. If I know what to expect, and I know that every time that person shares the exact same type of content, then by the fourth or sixth time, I would not engage with that content. I would not click to view it. I would not comment it on it. I would not watch it. I would not like it. So you don't have to, to um, be obsessed again with, with, uh, with sharing. And let us maybe dwell on the creator mode for a second. Because it, it is uh, related with your connection strategy on LinkedIn. Okay? You could go for quality, basically connecting with people you know well, and having referrals. Because if I look at your name and I see that George is a mutual connection of ours, if I know George well enough, I may feel confident to leave LinkedIn. That's the biggest secret. To leave LinkedIn, know when to leave LinkedIn, to communicate in real life with George, 
And at the end of that conversation, ask George, would you feel comfortable mentioning me or introducing me to AJ? And if George says yes, I would gain a meaningful introduction to you. Okay? So the creator mode has the ability to uh, keep your network clean without polluting or watering down the quality of your network because the default would become a follow button. And you can follow everyone on LinkedIn and you can make people follow you. It also uh, has a number of advantages. When people go to your LinkedIn profile, AJ, they would see, see how I do what I do and they would see a number of hashtags and LinkedIn um, probably wants to increase the number of, uh, uh, of people who turn on the creator mode because it gives all sorts of analytics to creator mode users and, and, and before everyone uh, tries it. So I, I advise everyone to try and play with it. You can always go back. I used it and I went back to the regular mode, but I think it's worth trying. Right, right, right. Now, George, uh, in terms of, again, if we look at this whole message matters thing, message matters most and it matters in all spheres of our lives. Now, beyond our normal lives, even in terms of diplomacy, social and environmental issues, governments communicating with governments and you know the place uh, the the place in history that we are at, at the moment you know so much of strife in different parts of the world among among societies among people you know why with the increasing number of communication everywhere with the tools uh, you know uh, getting added every day hundreds of tools getting added uh, why is it that so much of communication fails the right messaging does not happen or is it that the intended message itself is wrong and people can see through it so how does one balance that how does one ensure that the message is not inferior and that message that matters the most is delivered most effectively Mm, challenging question aj uh, you know it's it's interesting it, it, it's curious i remember when the when the internet was first becoming popular with people uh, back 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 in the in the 90s late 90s and we were starting to reach out we were using bulletin board services that connected and i thought at the time oh this is great now we can talk to people anywhere in the world and that'll bring us closer together right <laughs> well some of us, yeah, look at look at the three of us here today from three different parts of the world we're talking. So some of us are coming closer, but others are, are moving apart. They're, it's becoming more divisive and people use the technology to express their divisive messages. And partly it is because people have become, or maybe they're just becoming louder, they're self-centered. They're self-centered and they're not so much thinking about others, about community. How can we grow? How can we get better? How can even when we compete, how can we get better? And and people aren't thinking that way. They're thinking, well, you don't think the same way that I do. I think that uh, the best background is green and you think that it's blue. Well, I don't like you. <laughs> and, and people are just making irrational decisions. And it's not the technology. The technology just amplifies the the anger the angst the opinions that you know people before in order to deliver an opinion they had to write a letter to the editor and it might or might not get printed now they just 
Put it on social media. Right, right. In terms, in terms of communication, uh, George, even among co in companies where the top boss delivers something and the, and the employees don't trust him, even if the message has been delivered with all the right words and all the power and authority at the top dog's command, why does it fail still? Why? What is the reason? Is it is the message inferior? Has it not been delivered effectively? What is it that is lacking? Um, and and it depends. You'd have to look at it case by case. But I think you identified a key key challenge, and that's trust. If we don't trust you, it doesn't matter what you say or how you say it. We don't trust you. So you, you might have delivered a perfect presentation. You've said the right words, but we don't trust you. And which means that the leader has failed to build trust with the people. And that takes work. That, that takes work. And see, we build trust based on what we see in the leader every day. Just because at once a month, the leader stands up and delivers a great speech. But all month, you've been treating us like crap. Or you've been lying to us. So the trust has to be there all the time so that the message gets through. Right. And Daniel, on, on LinkedIn now, there is a lot of messaging that goes, uh, you know, uh, goes through all through the day and night. Uh, and, you know, the other day I was seeing somebody was making fun of a message that said uh, that was a hiring message. And somebody said, you know, we need fresher with three years experience now. That was uh, something which somebody saw through it and was telling that this is uh, this is uh, something not required. This is uh, this is something not possible in uh, whichever way they wanted to see it. Now, why does it happen that people don't get the basics of it and companies and people, they keep on just doing things that on LinkedIn and all. So how do you make sure that your communication is top-notch on LinkedIn. How does one ensure, how do organizations ensure that? That's a great question and a challenging one at that. So I'd like to start by something George mentioned about the letter to the editor. To write the letter to the editor, it would take us at least a couple of minutes. And now it takes yeah. us 20 seconds to shoot that message. And in fact, there are hundreds of software houses and, and companies that offer you free automation tools that will basically spam the whole planet within a number of, of hours or minutes without ever reading their profile, without ever ever really deciding that this person is the right fit for you. And because it, it has become so easy to spam and to send those messages, many of our clients, when they receive an incoming invitation, they're stressed because they know that 20 seconds after accepting that connection request, they'll be bombarded with some uh, uh, offers of services they have never asked to, to buy. And, and that is because of those uh, automations and, and that thoughtless uh, practice, you, it, it makes it a lot more difficult for you to communicate in a genuine way with your audience. Again, in some cases, the answer is sharing educational, top of funnel, evergreen content, that will make people attracted to you. So if you can think of the entrepreneurs you'd like to attract and you can figure out the, the three most difficult questions they're asking themselves, 
what makes them tick, what makes them uh, uh, wake up at night. And you try to produce or even curate or repurpose content around that, then they're likely to discover you. And content is a great way for you to, to stand out. And when you when when I get an invitation from someone I don't know, I simply reply to that person saying, Thank you very much, John Doe, for that invitation. I don't think we've ever worked together. Can I be of help? And 90% of people never reply. But if you know, once in a, in, in a quarter, maybe someone will reply and there is a genuine opportunity for us to communicate, then I would do it. And to reply to that message takes 20 seconds. It's the best way for me to keep my network uh, engaged and clean and also uh, be open to uh, additional business opportunities that, that may be out there. If you, if you do reach in a cold way, and that's probably the worst uh, option you have, at least... Um, do your homework and read that what that person has written about themselves and try to customize that message in a way that will make them stop and say, how do you know so much about us? How do you know so much about me? The elevator uh, example I use is that if you get that message and you're riding an elevator and you, you, you forget about the uh, floor you wanted to get off, that means the message has attracted you in a way that is likely to get a, a reply from you. And ask a very simple question. Don't go for the sale. It may take a number of communication or messages and, and outside of LinkedIn to even start engaging that person. Okay. Okay, Daniel. Now, my last question to both of you gentlemen is uh, one small piece of advice that people should remember uh, that their message matters most and then how they can effectively deliver it. What is one thing in whatever the setting, George, they should never forget. They should always keep in mind. Keep in mind that you'll, you'll never be perfect. Your message will never be perfect. It, what's key is to make it effective. Did After you delivered your message, did people move in the way you wanted them to move? And you won't move all of them, but did you move most of them in the way you wanted to move? And if you did, the message was effective. Right. And Daniel, on LinkedIn? Um, a simple and, and stupid advice. Try to read the message before you send it and put yourself in that person's shoes. And in most cases, if, you, if you're uh, uh, thinking uh, authentically, you would look at it and say, no, I wouldn't respond to that message. That entails harder work. That entails more research. That entails shortening the message. Okay, there's a quote saying, I didn't have time to write a short letter, so I wrote a long letter. 90% right. of our job is shortening and editing and making it stand out. It's tough work. But try to reread your message before you send it out. Right. Right. Thank you so much, gentlemen. George Torok live from Canada, Daniel Alphon, live from Israel, and Kudanya Ajay, you're very much own, you know, are trying to ask the right questions for the audience. Hope it has been an educative session. We will continue to bring in more such information and tips and, uh, and insights from these two gentlemen as soon as possible and whenever there is a chance. With this, 
it's a wrap on this edition of the KJ Masterclass Live. Thank you very much indeed.